Help for those who have strayed away, next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Whether it's a child, friend, or someone that used to attend your church, we can all identify someone in our life that has strayed away from the Lord. It's heartbreaking. But what can we do to help those who have strayed? And what do we do when the prodigal comes home? We'll talk about that today on Abounding Grace as we get back to our study of John's Gospel. We left off in chapter 8. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Open your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 8 is where we are. We've spent a few weeks just on this first section of John chapter 8. You'll recall the woman was set up by the religious rulers that were twisted and perverted. She was set up to commit a sexual sin with another man. And while they were engaged in the very act, they sprung on them and took her and brought her to Jesus in the temple area. And we learn a lot from this encouraging section of scripture. Their, their plan backfired. It, it didn't happen the way that they thought. They wanted to trap Jesus. They wanted to put him in a moral, biblical, law-based dilemma, and nothing like that happened. Instead, Jesus dealt with the dilemma the same way that you and I are to deal with dilemmas, and that is in grace and truth. And in grace and truth, we find in chapter 8, verse 10, that when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's true that Jesus came to earth on a rescue mission, not a vacation, not just to demonstrate his deity, he came on a rescue mission. He came out seeking those that were desperately in need of hope, in need of help, and in need of salvation. Whether they realize it, whether you and I realized it or not, Jesus came to save us, to rescue us. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And one of the one of the people that experienced this personally was this woman right here. And it's really too bad, isn't it? Because the men that had set her up and the men that had set this whole manipulation thing up, the ones that had hatched a plan to kill Jesus, if they would have stuck around in brokenness and repentance, they too could have received the grace of God. They too could have had their lives changed. But we read earlier that whatever Jesus wrote on the ground, the conviction upon their hearts of what they saw and what they heard caused them to leave, and they left Jesus' presence in a worse condition than when they first came. Not so with the woman. This woman is a great picture for us of what it looks like to stray away from God's plan for your life. Straying away, wandering away. The word stray literally means to wander or to roam. The Bible uses the word aimless to describe our lives apart from Jesus Christ. Aimless. The picture is one of wandering around, meandering, 
with no focus, no direction. The Bible says that we in Jesus Christ have been delivered from our aimless conduct. We now have purpose in life. We now have direction. We also have a destination. We know where we're headed. We have a perspective that's eternal. We're a part of the kingdom of God now. Things have changed. We're not aimless any longer. But there are many that are. And this woman becomes a great picture of, well, of a person that has strayed away from God's best. Living in sexual sin is not God's best. Living from man to man or woman to woman is not God's best. Doing things that you know are wrong is not God's best. And that would put you in the category of one that is currently or has strayed away from God's intention in your life. You know, straying away is nothing new. It started in the Garden of Eden. It was not God's heart for Adam and Eve, our great, great, great grandfather and grandmother. It was not God's intention for them to be in a broken relationship. It was not God's intention for them to to understand the parameters that God had set to be broken and then taste the death stench of sin in their lives. They started this straying. And we learned in our time last time that God wants us to be a church that is ready to heal and to help. We used the illustrations, didn't we, of the policeman and the paramedic. While both are very important within our society, when it comes to broken and hurting people, that perspective of the paramedic is one that we, we need to learn of, to be a hospital for the sick and for the hurting And while the policeman does have its role within the church in the sense of when you're dealing with an unrepentant person, we use the law in order to bring them to a place of conviction. But when there's brokenness and when there's humility and, and when it's obvious that the person has suffered enough and they've come to their senses, well, we need to learn to rush in and rescue those that are wandering and roaming and ripped off by the enemy. What kind of church do you really want to be? a condemning, fault-finding, judgmental group. Imagine that on our resurrection service invites. On the front, come worship with us so we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And on the back, at Calvary, you will find the most judgmental, hate-filled, finger-pointing, hypercritical, hypocritical, come and join us. It's not the heart of Jesus, is it? The heart of Jesus is for us to, to really be a place of welcoming those that have been broken You know, what the religious rulers expected was Jesus to stone this woman. That's what they expected. They expected death. The wages of sin is death. But the good news is that they brought her to Jesus, grace and truth standing right in front of them. And rather than death being received by the woman, Jesus himself would taste death in order to forgive her. Straying is very common. It's common in believers and unbelievers alike. It's not just reserved to those that have no relationship with God. I've met many believers over the years that have strayed away from God's best as well. I've met many people that have strayed away from the love of God, that have strayed away from the church of God, and they're very angry and upset. Their expectations weren't met. I know people, and I can think of them in my mind right now, who were once very, very strong in their walk with the Lord, who were once very, they were people that poured into my life, are no longer walking with the Lord today. They have strayed away, and it's a heartbreaking experience to watch. 
The Bible uses a couple words to describe someone that's strayed away. For example, there's the word prodigal. We're all familiar with the word prodigal. Jesus gave a very important parable, a beautiful picture of a father and his son, a family. But the son decides he doesn't want, he doesn't want that wonderful, encouraging family that he's a part of. He just wants his inheritance so he can go off and do his own thing. The father representing God the father. The son representing us. How often have we found ourselves to be in a place where we don't want what God has for us. We just want the stuff of God and we're going to go do our own thing. You could say that that's a prodigal life that you're living. You're living a life of your own doing, your own way. And what does the father do? He gives him the inheritance and says, here's what's yours. Go do with it as you will. And we read in the story that the kid, he goes and he gets some friends. Of course, when you've got money, there's all kinds of new friends. And they're partying and and spending all his money until finally he has nothing left. And he's hit hard times. And he has to get a job taking care of pigs. And there he is, the best moment in his life, sitting there with the pigs. Because the Bible says that he came to his senses. And he started thinking about his situation. He started thinking about his life. He starts comparing where he is now compared to where he was. And he comes to the conclusion, you know what? I need to go home. Because if I go home, I'd be better off just as my dad's servant than I am right now. And so that's what I'll be. I'll go home and I'll be my dad's servant. But that wasn't the love and grace of his father, was it? When his father sees him afar off, what happens? He runs. You know how uncustomary that was for a dad and for a, for a man and a dad to run But he didn't care. He threw all that type of thought aside and said, my son, he's home. We need to throw him a party. He lived a prodigal life. You could also, another Bible word to describe that young man and those that stray away is the word backslide or a backslidden believer. And I know there's a lot of debate today, unfortunately, about whether a person can be carnal. You know, like in 1 Corinthians, uh, in the very beginning of the chapter, Paul says, you guys are carnal. You're not even acting spiritual. Is it possible to be a fleshly believer? The answer is yes. Is it possible for the prodigal to still be, for a believer to be a prodigal and roam around? Yes. So let me suggest to you, let me suggest to you in that son, that parable, and all the stuff that he did, what he did to his dad, how he treated his dad, all the things, the kind of life that he lived. You could say he was backslidden. You could say he was a prodigal. But let me ask you this. When in any time, did he ever stop being a son? Go ahead and yell it out. Never. He was always a son. So it's very possible for believers to backslide. God would even look at the nation of Israel and the idolatry and claim and tell them and declare to them, you guys are backslidden. Come back to me. And so straying happens. Straying happens for a variety of reasons. If you're taking notes, let me give you a few. Number one, it could be just deliberate rebellion. And of course, we've seen that before. Just deliberate rebellion, a rebellious person. They're rebellious against God. They're rebellious against their parents. They're rebellious against the leadership of the church. They're just rebellious. They want to do their own thing, their own way. Rebellion. Secondly, I've seen people stray because of external pressures and forces. They have a new set of friends. And they weren't like that before, but now this new set of friends is putting these types of peer pressure upon them and they're becoming like their ungodly friends the bible predicts that you know the bible says that evil company will corrupt good habits 
And I've seen that happen where a brand new group of friends and before you know it, uh, man, they're not walking with the Lord anymore. They're, they're just doing their own thing. And, and, and it's unfortunate and it's difficult. Thirdly, I can see people stray because of a temptation, because of a trap that's been set. Fourthly, I've seen people stray because of some YouTube video that they watched, some weird teaching. I see it all the time. So somebody saw it, hey, Ed, did you see this YouTube video? No, man, I just read the Bible. Well, you got to know, this guy said this, and now this, and I'm going to go off and live in this retreat and, and sell all my, and I'm like, what? It's not about Jesus anymore. And you get hooked in with some book or some video, and straying happens for a lot of reasons. And the reality, even though if I haven't mentioned one of the ones that might apply to people you know, the reality is, is that we're all prone to wander We're all prone to wander. You know the hymn, it's so beautiful. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. I mean, if the, song, if the hymn just stopped there, we'd sing it all. I mean, whoa, yes, I'm so grateful for your grace. But it goes on. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We know that Jesus has a heart for the lost. It's everywhere in his ministry, in his life. He'll see people struggling and he'll tell his disciples, you see them, they're wearied and what? Scattered. He recognizes the effects this world has and how easily we can wander and scatter believer and unbeliever alike. And with that in mind now, let's turn over to James chapter 5. Because certainly we want to understand the severity of adultery and we want to understand the significance of grace. And today we want to consider the seriousness of how to respond to those that have come back. How do we minister to those that have strayed? You could also title this message. You could title it, What Do We Do When the Prodigal Comes Home? Because that's our prayer. We want them to come home. You know, a whole chapter in the, a whole time of Jesus' teaching is dedicated to the joy and happiness of finding something that was lost. Remember? There was a lost sheep when they're found, rejoicing. There was a lost coin when it's found, rejoicing. A lost son when he's found and comes back, rejoicing. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 15, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. There's great joy in that which is lost being found. With that in mind, the half-brother of Jesus writes as he closes his letter, James chapter 5, verse 19. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of of sins. You like to write in your Bible? Circle the word anyone in verse 19. Anyone. 
Do you know what that means in the Greek? Anyone. Good students. You're right. It means anyone. Believer and unbeliever alike. Within the fellowship family of God. By now you know that there are many among us that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're just here because they got to be here. Here because they were dragged here. Here because, you know, and, and you did a great, it's great that you do this. You say, come to church with me and I'll buy lunch. Do that. That's great. Some of you are here. That's exactly what happened to me and I want my lunch right now. You got to wait. That's the deal. You got to wait. There's a lot of people in church that aren't believers. They don't want to even be in church. Do you know there's people on the radio listening right now? They don't want to listen. But you know what? Mom's driving and mom owns the radio. Isn't that how it works? Does it work for you? Whoever's driving, they own the radio. Don't mess with my radio. I'm driving. Keep your hands to yourself. You want to deal with the radio? You drive. And if you really want to mess with someone, get in their car, let them drive, and mess with their radio. That's just an unwritten rule. But there are people listening in right now. They're listening to me right now, and they're, I, I, they don't want to hear me. They would like to hear anything else but me. But because they're in someone else's car, that's just the way it is. And for some reason, they're taking the long way. <laughs> hey, I recognize that. You don't want to be here. I respect that. God would have you to be here, but uh, if you don't want to be here, there was a long season of my life I wanted nothing to do with church. I get it. That doesn't mean God doesn't want anything to do with you. He does. But there are among us, people stray. There are straying people among us, both those that have a relationship with God and those that don't. So if any of you stray, if anyone walks away from the truth and strays away from God, then notice the next word in verse 19. If anyone means anyone, then in verse 19 you can circle the word someone, and you know what that means in the Greek? Write your name there. Because that someone is you. That someone is you. It's me. Like if anyone strays and someone, well, that someone, you're the only one that you possibly can be. You're that someone. That's your name there. If you see a straying brother or sister, you see someone that's wandering aimlessly in the world and you turn him from the error of his ways, you're going to save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, there's, again, this is a debatable topic in many areas. One of them happens to be that phrase sinner in verse 20. What does that mean? Does that mean a a believer can really lose their salvation? Does that mean you can go back and forth? You lose your salvation, you get it back, you lose it. Now, the nature of salvation couldn't be clearer to me in the scriptures. Salvation, your relationship with God, is eternal. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Because it's a gift, you don't just lose it. It doesn't, you, you have security in Jesus. Peter would say later on, and we'll, we'll see in his life, as he becomes an example of someone straying away, he would say in his letter that we are kept by the power of God. We're not kept by our own power. We're not kept by our own wisdom. We're not, you know, can you imagine if your salvation depended upon how much you read the Bible? Man, how many of you are lost right now? Yes, I, I, I was so busy, I, got, I, couldn't even, I didn't even read the Bible today. Well, you better read it to get your salvation. I mean, you don't think that way, do you? No, because the nature of salvation is a gift of God. And what we do for the Lord isn't to impress God, it's because of relationship. Man, I read the Bible because I'm just so encouraged by what God has to say to me. I read the Bible because I've got something to learn. 
I read the Bible because it is God's word to teach me, to correct me, to rebuke me. I read the Bible because in, within its true stories, I find hope and help for my life. I read the Bible because I learn about the grace and the knowledge of a God who loved me before I even ever loved him. I don't read the Bible to stay saved. I read the Bible because I'm saved. I pray because I love my God. I hang out with believers and serve him with my life because he bought my life with his own precious blood. I owe him nothing less than all of my life, the rest of my life, until I meet him face to face. We are kept by the power of God. We are kept by his strength. We are kept by his love and his grace and his mercy. So who are these sinners? What's this sinner mean? Well, there's some options. Number one, I think it refers, first of all, to a truly lost person. I think a truly lost person can be considered this sinner. These are those that we would term as unbelievers. No relationship with God. Like the woman caught in adultery. She was lost. You know what the Bible says. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it says, We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on him. We've all strayed. And I believe that word sinner in verse 20 can refer to an unbeliever. Secondly, I think it also can refer to someone that's deceived into thinking that they're saved. They think they're saved. They say they're saved. They talk like they're saved. They have jewelry that says they're saved. They wear Christian t-shirts, but they live their life like the devil. You're deceived. We could call that today a cultural Christian. Well, you've met, if you went on the street today with the microphones, are you, are you born again? I'm born again. The, the statistics of that, of those types of surveys in our country, 80, 90%. I'm born again. I'm born again. I'm born again. Yeah, but you're living like the devil, but I'm born again. No, it's impossible for you to say that you're saved and live like the devil and be convinced that you're saved. Because most of the time, people that live like the devil are children of the devil. That's just the way it is. And I don't want you deceived. There are people in church that they say, well, you know, I was born into the church. I was confirmed in the church. I was baptized in the church. I've done everything the church has told me to do. That doesn't make you saved. Well, I've, I've come to Calvary Chapel. I've been in Calvary Chapel from the first day, Ed. I've been, in, I've been in Calvary Chapel. I've been in that Baptist church. I've been at Grace Church. I've been, I've been in church, and I've, I've given, and, and I have served, and I, uh, so I must be saved. Not so. The Bible says you must be born again. That's what Jesus says. So you can sit in this church. You can sit in that church. You can give money to the church. You can do good deeds for the church. But I want to warn you as a pastor and as a friend, there is a group of people that will meet Jesus Christ after they die. They will see him face to face. And they will hear some of the worst words they've ever heard in their entire life. It will be the worst that they've ever heard. What they were expecting of all their activity and religion to secure for them an eternal salvation with God will be met with these words. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You know what those words? Those are words of relationship. Christianity is all about a relationship with Jesus Christ, not a religion or following a set of rules. 
We're going through the Gospel of John one verse at a time here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. You can hear these studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com and through the Calvary Church app. Check out Ed's blog at EdTaylor.org. And look for his podcast, Lead to Serve, on Apple Podcasts. That's Lead, the number two, Serve. There he discusses the value of servant leadership. I should also mention Abounding Grace is available by podcast. Hey, thank you for remembering Abounding Grace in your giving to the Lord. Every gift that comes in goes right to ministry. It plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'll say thanks by sending you Steve Carr's very popular book, Married and How to Stay That Way. I don't have to cite the stats on divorce to convince you it's a real and growing problem in our world. But God's Word has just what we need to succeed in this lifelong commitment of marriage. To order it today, call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or make a request online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. And if you'd just like to make a donation to the ministry and you're not interested in the book, you can donate safely and securely at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Glad to have you with us for today's broadcast. We look forward to continuing the journey through John next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In the meantime, let's be drawing on God's abounding grace for daily living. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.